0: Welcome to the final episode of Black Future Doctor, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the experiences of Black doctoral students in the UK. I'm Nina, I'm a psychology PhD student from the University of Bath and I'm your host. And with me today is Medina Wayne, who has just finished her PhD in immunology at Imperial College London. Hi Medina, it's great to have you with me today.
1: Hi Nina, thanks so much for having me on.
0: No worries. First, can you tell me a bit more about yourself and the subject of your PhD?
1: Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I did my PhD in immunology. So that's a study of the immune system. And my research was focused mainly on trying to understand how our respiratory tissues, so in humans, that would be Uh, something like the lungs, Mm -hmm. protects against viral infection, how the immune system responds. But to understand that, I used a different species. I used zebrafish, which is a tropical fish. species.
0: All right, that's great. So can you tell me a bit more about when you first considered pursuing a PhD and what made you interested in this topic?
1: Yeah, in terms of pursuing a PhD. So I did my undergraduate degree in biochemistry at the same uni where I did my PhD, so at Imperial. Mm-hmm. And I think in part because Imperial's a very like research intensive uni. So almost like from the start of my undergrad, I was quite exposed to you know what was the kind of current research that was being done in the field of biochemistry or like mm-hmm. wider biological science fields. There was a lot of like talk about, you know, getting involved in research placements and things like that. So I didn't really know from the start that I wanted to do a PhD, but I ended up Mm -hmm. trying out like doing a summer research placement, um, getting a feel for what research was like day to day um, and finding that I did enjoy that side of things and kind of looked into PhD options from there.
0: Yeah, Now I'm quite similar. I... I wasn't sure about research to begin with, but I did a placement year as a research assistant and that completely changed everything. So yeah, hot tip, if you're interested in research, try and get a little kind of trial, a placement or internship.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So I know that your PhD worked in the lab. Can you tell me a bit more about your research specifically and what you did in the lab?
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, in my research I was using zebrafish to try and understand the immune system and how it responds to infection Mm -hmm. and really what I wanted to do was to be able to understand whether we can use this fish as a tool to better understand the immune system and in order to do that I was doing a lot of laboratory research and specifically trying to look at different immune cells in these fish and how they compare to say humans or other mammals like mice which are commonly used in in biomedical and biological Mm. research so it was kind of like a combination of trying to develop tools and then trying to answer some fundamental questions about the immune system in the species because there's not I mean as with any research you're trying to answer questions that haven't been answered before and there's not a lot Mm -hmm. known about the specific area that I was I was studying
0: yeah and how did you find it
1: yeah it was a so the the cool thing about working on a project where there's not much known is that you've got a scope to research like so many different questions and, mm-hmm. you know, almost everything that you're investigating, it's like the first time that someone's done it or like, you know, y- you feel like you're really at the cutting edge. At the same time, mm-hmm. it becomes quite challenging because it means you don't have like a huge amount of other people's work to build from. So sometimes you're kind of stabbing in the dark for, you know, where to go next, or like when you when you come up with a challenge, like something's not working out, you can't kind of fall back on what other people have done because yeah, that work's just not there. So it was Yeah. I think in that sense it really pushed me and really challenged me to become an, you know, independent researcher. But yeah, it was it was definitely a tricky project. So it kind of, I think it depends on like your mm-hmm. personality. What kind of project you go for? That's definitely one piece of advice I would give.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in comparison to the other guest speakers on this podcast, you've actually completed your viva and passed it so congratulations <laughs> so when i put out the call for speakers i think it was just before your viva but when i was looking through people who might want to take part i thought it would be really interesting to focus the final episode on the end of the phd process because i think it's quite obscure or at least as the first year i find it
1: quite yeah, obscure. No, I
0: agree. <laughs> great so with that in mind would you be able to explain the viva process to me
1: yeah, sure. I mean, just a disclaimer because I know that, like, some, like, firstly, different countries do it differently. <laughs> and also, I mm-hmm. think different universities and institutions within the UK do things slightly differently. So, this is definitely just my own yeah. experience. But essentially, the VIVA is basically, in some places, it's called a defense. So basically you have to defend your work, justify like why you've done what you've done, show that you're the one who's carried out the work and you had justifications for doing it and Mm -hmm. kind of highlight your knowledge on your research topic, not just on your specific research, but like the wider research area in order for your examiners to say, okay, this person has produced an original body of work that contributes to this, the wider research field. So it's, it's less of a well it depends on who you get as your examiners it can be less of a grilling than you Mm -hmm. think and more like a really in-depth conversation about you know the last few years of your of your research work
0: yeah no I think that sums it up really well and I think like you said it is different slightly between different institutions but it or at least my understanding of it, it is this kind of this like oral presentation and justification for what you've spent the past however many years working on
1: yeah exactly yeah and i can talk a bit more about the like actual logistics (laughs) if you'd like
0: yeah i think that'd be useful
1: yeah so for my experience in the way that it's done at imperial you have like two researchers who act as your examiners and so Mm -hmm. they will examine you during the viber but they're also the people who examine your thesis and actually Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what i've been told is that in order to pass your PhD, kind of it's your thesis that's assessed and the viva is more like a confirmation. But, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, but essentially, I had an internal examiner, so that's someone from the institution and an external examiner who's someone kind of outside of the institution. And the external examiner is really supposed to be the person who asks kind of more of the probing questions, whereas the internal examiner mm-hmm. was more there to... Like they ask questions as well, but they're kind of more there to make sure that the external examiner is kind of on track and like keeping with the procedures and kind of make sure that the viva is kind of happening in a fair way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you get to choose who your examiners are or are they chosen for you?
1: So it's kind of like your supervisor who will nominate the people to be your examiners to, you know, for all mm-hmm. the paperwork and everything. But normally you have an idea of, like, what kind of people in your field. So I think it's fairly common that you end up with someone that you're kind of already familiar either with their work or you might have met them at a conference or something. But, yeah, yeah, it's not a complete, you know, complete, complete stranger.
0: Great. And how did you prepare for your viva?
1: <laughs> like, a few different ways. Uh, I did read my entire thesis, <laughs> which... Yeah but (laughs) I I did it strategically so I didn't just like sit down and read it from like cover to you know cover to cover because that would have been Mm -hmm. exhausting. (laughs) My thesis was quite long as well so but I basically read it cover to cover but with like specific questions in mind so I could like read specific sections and then like kind of take notes and think about potential questions that I would be asked so I had like a standard there's always like a few generic questions that you'll always be asked in your viva so I kind of tried mm-hmm. to prepare for those as I went through my thesis I make sure sh- I basically asked myself like what are like the big overarching questions in my field how is my work contributing to this why did I do specific experiments or studies that I've that I've written about kind of give those justifications and like what could I do differently or like what could I do or what could, could others kind of do next from this work.
0: Mm-hmm. Brilliant so what was your vibe like in the end?
1: It was just over three and a half hours <laughs> so they can be quite long yeah oh, wow. so for those who kind of aren't really sure about the process like that's definitely something to pay attention to but even though it was that long it didn't feel too long actually because Okay. Because you're kind of constantly engaged. So, in a way, the time kind of flies. You're not really sat around at any point. But the Viva, I actually enjoyed my Viva, which I've had quite a few PhD students say before. Okay. Because if you think about it, you've spent like three, four, maybe more years on, you know, very dedicated to a very personal piece of work. And this is maybe the mm. only time in your life where you'll get to sit down and have people. You know who've read and understood and like you know be really interested in your work and you get to share that because you're at this point of your PhD you're like the world's expert on your research you know on your very specific research. Yeah. so yeah it was nice to be able to finally talk about my research in that way
0: yeah it's, it's a great opportunity to kind of show off your baby
1: yeah exactly yeah like obviously you get challenging questions because you know you have to it is Mm. a a kind of examination but at the same time it's like at least with my examiners like they would it felt like they were genuinely interested in my work and we had like you know back Mm. and forth conversations about the topic and so on it wasn't just like a an absolute grilling with like you know a kind of yes and no right answer they're not necessarily testing Mm. you on like if you can get the right answer they want to see how you think and like you
0: know just curious about what you've done yeah and if this sounds intimidating to anyone like the whole part of the phd i think is it prepares you for the viva you know it teaches you how to answer those difficult questions which i guess at the beginning of your phd might seem quite overwhelming but towards the end i guess you're in a much better position you have so much more knowledge to be able to answer the questions
1: yeah absolutely like by the end of your phd you've a written your like by the time you get to the viva you've written your thesis so you've already done so much of that work to you know understand why you're doing what you're doing and like how it fits with your mm-hmm. wider research but also it's like it's important to say as well that like you don't know everything and that's fine and your examiners mm-hmm. also don't know everything And that's just the nature of research, right? Like we're trying to answer all these questions. So there's always more that we still aren't sure about. So yeah, like it's fine to be like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I definitely had some questions where I was like, either I don't know this piece of information or like I haven't come across this before and that's okay as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important point to get across, yeah. Right. Now, how have you found finishing your PhD in the middle of a global pandemic? (laughs)
1: yeah it's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I I started well when the pandemic hit I was I guess early-ish at the point of writing my thesis Mm -hmm. but I was I had completely finished my actual research in the lab um so I was just doing like data analysis and writing up my thesis so in that sense it was kind of easier than other researchers who obviously might have needed to go on site and had their projects kind of disrupted that way um but Mm -hmm. it was really hard because you know I was basically stuck at home for like 12 months from March until like February March last year Mm -hmm. to February of this year and I think it's easy to like not notice the impact straight away (laughs) but yeah Yeah. I mean writing the thesis alone is quite hard And then being kind of removed from like, you know, everything that normally gives me like a relief from work, you know, seeing my friends, being able to,
0: Mm.
1: you know, do activities outside of home. That was all stopped. And I think that's something that I found really difficult, Mm. but I still got through it in the end. So, you know, it's obviously everyone's circumstances are different, but like if you've got the right support around you, I think that can really help as well.
0: Yeah definitely and I think I imagine actually you know being in the process of writing while there may have been some benefit to it I also feel like you know that's quite an intense period you're going through and to just be sat at home just writing 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 I feel like can just be I imagine it would be quite overwhelming.
1: Yeah I mean it's funny because I have some friends who are a bit older than me who've already done their PhDs Mm -hmm. and for them they were like oh this just sounds like." our experience when we were writing ours you know outside of a pandemic like they were also just like stuck at home but obviously less extreme and I think it's also like the anxiety of obviously being in a pandemic where there's so much uncertainty and just you know kind of chaos happening outside you can't really underestimate how that impacts you as well but I think when it comes time to write your thesis, you really just have to, like, figure out what works for you. Like, some people just want to get it done in, like, two months and just, like, stay in their room, locked the entire time. Other people need mm. more time and, like, you know, some space away from it. So there's not really, a like, yeah, everything, it's kind of different for each person.
0: Yeah. Basically, you got to do you.
1: Exactly. Always. Always great advice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned over the PhD process?
1: I think the PhD teaches you a lot about yourself mm-hmm. because it's such a it's such a personal piece of work and you spend a lot of time <laughs> on your own. You're, or at least, you know, working through, or like thinking about stuff on your own or like working on your own thing. And I think for me, it's taught me that like, I am actually good at like navigating challenges. <laughs> like Mm -hmm. there are so many ups and downs of the PhD and I'm not saying you can do everything by yourself but or that I can do everything by myself but it definitely taught me that like okay I can adapt when things go wrong Mm -hmm. I can you know think of new ideas I feel like it yeah it taught me that like I do have the skills to do research and sometimes you really question yourself but especially when I finished my thesis and I had this like literal book <laughs> in my hand. Yeah. So it's like okay, cool. So I guess I can do this. I, th- I guess I can like struggle <laughs> through, think of like interesting questions, be creative. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think a PhD really puts your resilience to the test. But at the end of it, you know, you come out of it, and like you said, you know that you can do these things now, even if it was challenging at the time.
1: Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, you have to suffer through something to like, mm. you know get the reward or whatever and i obviously like advocate people find like really supportive environments and you know if if you are considering a phd like having good support you know your supervisors your friends your colleagues whatever but it's like it's research always comes with challenges even if you're in the most supportive environment and that's not a bad thing it's it's the way that we grow and the way that we learn when we do research
0: a hundred percent Okay. And so now that you've finished your PhD, can you tell me a little bit more about what you're getting up to now?
1: Uh, yeah. So I recently started a new job. <laughs> which is...
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was nice to find. I'm very grateful to have found something during the pandemic, I have to say, like, firstly. And I have moved into the biotechnology industry and I'm working mm-hmm. on vaccines research. So it's still very much related to the kind of, like, to immunology, the kind of like work that I was doing for my PhD, but Mm -hmm. different kind of environment, not in academia at the moment. Um, but still like my day to day is still like pretty similar actually because I'm doing laboratory research. So yeah, that's been really cool to make a little bit of a change.
0: Yeah. So actually for you the transition out of academia wasn't too bad, I suppose?
1: I'm still mid transition.
0: (laughs) I mean yeah. (laughs) But it's
1: yeah (laughs) but it's been positive so far, yeah. I think partially because like how I was mentioning earlier, like my writing my thesis, I was just like I living with other people but like by myself in terms of like my work and just like you mm-hmm. know glued to my screen for twelve months and now being able to move into an environment where I have colleagues and I'm working with people again, especially in industry, it's a lot more like collaborative and teamwork based than you can mm-hmm. often find in academia. So I think that's just been that's been in particular really nice.
0: Yeah. All right. And the final question I have is what is one piece of advice you give to other black people considering pursuing a PhD?
1: I think the biggest advice I can give is I guess just based on my personal experience, mm-hmm. for me, like the people that I work with and like the support or the networks that I have around me, the communities I have around me is really important. keeping me motivated Mm -hmm. to like helping me through challenges and you know we've already talked about how research and doing a PhD is challenging enough as it is so I think it's worth if you're considering doing a PhD or even if you've already started one um just trying to build like people around you who you can trust and can support you you know if you haven't started your PhD yet trying to do some research and really find out about the kind of supervisors that you could be working with. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. are their supervision styles kind of similar to yours? Do they have a good track record PhD students? What is the team dynamics like? It can be hard to find this stuff out, but I think it's worth trying to, trying to do that research because yeah, without a good team behind you, it's really challenging when things go wrong and they will definitely go wrong at some point
0: <laughs> yeah and I think also Twitter is an amazing space to find some of those the answers to those questions uh, surprisingly
1: yeah absolutely mm. and I think specifically as a black student like you know when I was a PhD student I don't think I met any other black PhD students in my department and like my department mm-hmm. isn't s- small <laughs> Um, yeah and you know in my building there were so few and like on a day-to-day it doesn't necessarily affect you in like a huge way but you can get like that sense of just like oh like you know there's not always someone who like understands exactly what you're going through yeah and but there are obviously like now there's a lot of like communities of black PhD students that's like cropping up or like black academics and I definitely recommend finding those and like engaging with the people it's so often they're really welcoming and it just allows you to kind of broaden your network beyond what you know it might be quite limited in your in your university or like in your department
0: yeah final shout out to the african caribbean research collective and the west african research collective
1: yeah absolutely like can't can't hype them up enough
0: <laughs> definitely not all right but well, those are all the questions i have so this is the end of the interview thank you so much Medina, for joining me and discussing your vibe in your research
1: yeah thanks so much for having me nina i hope this yeah i hope this can help anyone who's listening
0: and there you have it the final episode of the first series of black future doctor Producing this podcast has been a rollercoaster, especially during the pandemic, so I really want to say a thank you to everyone who has helped out and made this podcast a reality. I really want to thank the incredible guest speakers for taking their time to share their knowledge and expertise. I also want to thank the Southwest Doctoral Training Partnership for their support, both in terms of funding and encouragement. Big thanks also to Hannah for creating the wonderful cover art. Check out her Instagram in this episode's bio if you haven't already. I also want to thank the African Caribbean Research Collective who helped me to flesh out this podcast in its initial stages and who have always promoted and supported the project. And finally, thank you to everyone who has been tuning into the podcast from home. It's been wonderful to see your reactions, to read your feedback and to see the impact the podcast has been having. It's been incredible. I don't have any future plans for the podcast. I've got a PhD to get back to. But um, yeah, if you've enjoyed listening and want to create something similar, please, please do. You know, the more resources we have like this, the better. Please let me know if you do. It'd be lovely to see it, promote it and to hear more voices and experiences. Thank you all for listening. And as always, you can get in contact via Twitter at Black future Doctor or at N underscore Higson Sweeney.